As a number of you know, before coming to Warrenton, I pastored a church in East Tennessee, and my time there gave me a deep appreciation for bluegrass music. With this deepened appreciation, I've noticed something about bluegrass. There are a number of classics that every aspiring bluegrass musician or group is obligated to perform. Every banjo prodigy will take on Earl Scruggs' Foggy Mountain Breakdown. Every female bluegrass musician will at some point undertake Dolly Parton's Jolene. Not sure if you caught the, uh, the vaccine version of that that she, she performed to encourage folks to get the vaccine, but that was wonderful as well. And the favorite of East Tennessee, every new bluegrass group will likely cover the Bryant Brothers' Rocky Top which I learned has been professionally covered over 100 times since its release in the 60s. What I notice is that every time a new band or musician covers one of these classics, one of these uh, bluegrass canonical songs, they always respect the skeleton of the song. Uh, I'm not a musician, so our musical folks here could probably put this in more eloquent terms than me, but they always uh, respect the skeleton of it, the tune, the lyrics, but there's always something they add to it that makes it their own adaptation, their own take on that song, respecting its core but giving it some new life. Believe it or not, friends, our scripture lesson reminds me of this trend in bluegrass music. I'm going to let you in on a little secret of the preaching trade. We often cringe when we have to preach a well-known passage like ours today that includes John 3.16. And it's not because we don't like these beloved verses. Trust me, it's, it's ones like this in Scripture. Uh, they don't become popular because they're boring or bland. In many ways, they are the definition of our faith. It's rather because we preachers are afraid we don't have anything to add to the conversation. What can we say that hasn't already been said so many times before? I've wondered if folks trying to cover Rocky Top feel the same way. At least in music, you can change the tune or tweak the banjo solo or something like that. But it was in this frustration and, and hesitation that I remembered a critical part of, of the Presbyterian faith is to always be seeking God, speaking to us through Scripture by the Spirit. Here's what one of our creeds, the Confession of 1967, uh, which we'll read a portion of later together. It says, as God has spoken the divine word in diverse cultural situations, the church is confident that God will speak through the scriptures in a changing world and in every form of human culture. So let's explore these familiar words of Jesus to see what the spirit might be saying to us in this time and place. These beloved words come in the context of a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Afraid of what his colleagues and friends might think of him visiting with this rogue rabbi who just caused a big scene in the temple, chasing out the money changers and livestock traders, Nicodemus visits Jesus at night in the cloak of darkness. Another famous part of this exchange is the discussion of how one can be born again or born anew from above. But the lectionary passage we have in front of us today begins in the middle of this conversation. 
after the whole born anew discussion, but right before 316. And this gives us just a little different angle at the famous verse that perhaps might give us a new and life-giving insight. We begin in verse 14, where Jesus references a passage from the Torah in which God gives Moses a bronze serpent to heal the Israelites from snake bites in the wilderness. Jesus says, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It's an odd and pretty unique image of Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus being like this serpent staff. Yet while the snake is always a troubling image, something that is always near the top of um, lists of most common fears and certainly would be uh, on mine, this image is ultimately one of healing. Moses lifts up a serpent staff and the people are healed. God lifts Jesus up and we are healed. In this time of pandemic, as vaccines roll out, it is doubtless a relevant image for us to wrestle with as a people of both in need of both healing and hope. Jesus references this act of saving the Israelites in the wilderness, lifting up the bronze staff of a serpent to describe his role of being lifted up by God to save God's children. This is what leads to the ultimate why of God for this saving in verses 15 and 16. Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is lifted up out of God's deep love to heal and to save us. Too often, though, we as Christians have limited these powerful billboard and sports sign worthy words solely to the cross. God's love lifts Jesus up on the cross to save us. It's not that this is wrong. Rather, it's not the whole picture, and certainly not for John. So excuse me for a minute, because we're going from the beginning of the sermon in talking about bluegrass to now we're going to talk about John's Christology. So we're taking quite a shift here, but hang with me. Scholars note that a crucial part of John's Christology, or John's understanding of who Jesus is, has a chiastic pattern. God's eternal word descends and becomes flesh among us and ultimately returns ascending back to the Father, or as Jesus says in our lesson, is lifted up. This reference about Jesus being lifted up is not just about the cross, but rather a threefold rising in Jesus' death, resurrection, and finally, ascension. And each of these moments matter. In this way, the cross is the pinnacle of the incarnation, of God becoming flesh. Just as God and Jesus takes on our flesh, our existence, out of a deep, deep love, God also takes on our sin, 
our faults, our brokenness, as Jesus is raised on the cross in his suffering and death. But as Christians, we know this is not the end of the story. God raises, God lifts Jesus up from the tomb to defeat the sin and death. Finally, in the ascension, Jesus is lifted to the right hand of the Father to make a way for us to also be lifted up. In his farewell to the disciples, Jesus says uh, some more beloved and memorable words, that in my Father's house there are many rooms, and I go before you to prepare your place. It's this threefold rising, this threefold lifting of Jesus that is the sign of God's deep and abiding love for us. All who believe through Christ are similarly lifted up into God's presence. In our own day and time, the notion of belief raises a lot of issues. It makes, us, it makes our minds turn to questions of who's in and who's out. But I don't believe this is really the pressing issue Jesus is getting at here. Because to believe in John is synonymous with relationship. This is what God in Christ longs for, to be in relationship with us, to be reconciled with us. Jesus allows to be lifted up to God's presence that we might believe through him, that we might draw close to God and one another in relationship. The question is not who's in and who's out. It's how can we live as though we've been raised up? How can we live lifted up lives that are closer to God than ever before? Jesus says, in short, that this is done by choosing light instead of darkness. Sadly, we live in a world with so much darkness. And it often seems, as Jesus laments, that we prefer darkness over light. Darkness hides our own faults, our own hesitations, our own brokenness. Yet relationship with God means allowing a light to shine on us. Our triumphs, sure, but also our failures, our shame, all of it, good and bad. We fear this, and so we turn a blind eye to moments when God's light is shining through in our world, uncovering injustice, hatred, greed, and so on. The urgent question becomes for us, friends, as we near Jerusalem on this Lenten journey, the urgent question for us is, are we willing to draw close to God? Are we willing to let God's light shine on us, exposing both the good and the bad of us, including the parts of us we want no one to see? The good news, friends, is that the God we know in Christ loves us just as we are and calls us a beloved child. Friends, may we remember that in lifting up Christ, God prepares a way to lift us up too. May we live as those who have been lifted up, as those who have been brought near, brought close to God in relationship, seeking out light in our world, shining it on the darkness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen.